Great mystery of godliness. Wonderful words. Wonderful words. Straight out of the Bible. It is a tremendous privilege and pleasure to be able to spend the next 40 minutes going through some slides about this very important verse. I was ashamed to tell you that I didn't really appreciate it till I was around 30, which is a shame. And I want our children to know this verse and never to forget it. When someone asks you, can you give me one verse that describes your church? Go to this text. Can you tell me one verse what you, that your church stands for? Remember, pillar and ground. It's this verse. When you say it's all about him, what do you mean? It's this verse. This verse. Tremendous verse. Shouldn't these three words get our utmost attention? When the Lord says that something is great, it must be great. When the Lord says it's a mystery, that means the rest of the world doesn't know about it. Don't you like secrets that God is telling you about? And when it's godliness, that means it's about God. So it's his religion. These three words tell us that it is great. It's a secret that God's told us, and it's about his true religion, the only true religion in the whole world. Great mystery of godliness from 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. Say it with me. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen. Where's the and? It doesn't need it. It's so concise and dense. It just leaves it off, and it gives us one up here that's important, as we'll see in a few minutes. We're going to be saying that verse a few more times. By the time you go home, your children will know it pretty well, if they'll listen. I used this text on Sunday to open our first service. I hope you remember. I was lit up over it. How can you not be with this verse? I am appealing. I am begging every man, every woman, every child, every teenager that thinks you love the Lord Jesus Christ, love this verse. This is what Paul told Timothy is a summary of what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to increase your faith in Jesus Christ and God's works through him and to him, and I want to increase your love for him for the six things that are listed in this verse. I use it on Sunday, but I must repeat it tonight. I had something else for tonight. I've had that other thing for tonight for weeks, and it got pulled away from me. This verse is very important. It is a condensed summary statement of what we believe, and the most important things we believe. It is the purpose for our church. On Sunday, I called it the mission statement for our church. It's the goal of our church. It's what we believe in a succinct form. Will you learn its 35 words? That's all it has, and each one is precious and important. Truth takes a lot of repetition, and so I'm going over it again tonight. I want everyone to know this verse. I'm hoping that Hannah Page will say it to me on Sunday. I'm reaching down. I, I want everyone... Jacob, you better know it on Sunday, because you're related to me. You're all related to me. 
You're my children in Christ Jesus. Here we go again. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. When you just look at that verse, it's about God. It's about the incarnation into human flesh. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the angelic realm. It's about the Gentiles. It's about the whole world. It's about the glory of heaven above. All in one 35-word verse. Love it with me. This is my Savior. I am His ambassador. And I'm begging you to love Him with me. I preached this seven years ago in 2013, morning and evening, in detail, with a detailed outline that is on the website. Then I realized this needs to be reviewed. So a few days later, I did some slides very similar to these slides back seven years ago. I am not ashamed for old truth like this. I am not ashamed for repeating this to you. I love new things. Isaiah was new. This is old. Do you love the old, old story? I love the old, old story. We are transitioning away from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're transitioning away from Isaiah. This is not what I'll preach Sunday morning. I just need to get this out of the way so that I can preach a different place on Sunday morning in the New Testament. I assigned it six weeks ago on a Wednesday evening as one of your assignments. I'm not ashamed for old truth like this. We have a wide range of folks in our church. We have many children. We have youth. We have newer members and I need to help them get up to speed that this verse is very important and for all of them to know it. Peter said repetition is needed. Repetition. Because he wanted those that he wrote to keep in remembrance the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter repeated things, repetition. He did it for truth that was already well known by his audience. And he said so. I know that you know the verse. I haven't mistaken that, and neither has the Holy Ghost that's convicted me very much about this verse. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and he goes on this way for four verses. The verse before this is make your calling and election sure. The verse after this, we saw his majesty when we were in the holy mount with him. 2 Peter 1 is one of the great chapters of the Bible. But stuck in the middle are four verses that sound like this. Wherefore, I will not be negligent, and I want to be like the apostles. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. What things? Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and temperance, and godliness, patience, brotherly kindness, and charity, to make your calling and election sure the basics of the gospel. Look what he says, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. I know you already know it. Don't yawn on me. Don't doze on me. You're not yawning or dozing on me. You're yawning and dozing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how hard your day was. If you can't sit and keep your eyes open and your mind geared, stand up. Walk in the pace in the back. You won't bother me. 
You could set off M80s in here and it wouldn't bother me. You can, you can go get yourself some caffeinated drink and pour it into a coffee and come and join me. I did it before I came. I will not be negligent to always put you in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, it is appropriate, right, and fitting, as long as I am in this tabernacle, while I'm alive in this body, Peter said, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Look at this. Moreover, I will endeavor, and that's what I'm doing tonight, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, when I'm dead and gone, and I know it's coming rapidly, when I'm dead and gone, where will the nails and the bulls be of this church to take up these marching orders? After my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Isn't that something? Four verses, right in the middle of 2 Peter chapter 1. So that's why the repetition tonight. Peter stressed remembering. This is how the Lord takes care of your pastor. Peter stressed remembering, but what is today's proverb about? It's Proverbs 3.1. Is today June 3rd? How did, what did the Lord arrange for today? Did I plan this? You don't know me very well. I'm not smart enough, and I'm telling you the truth. The Lord planned it. Do you know how that ver Proverbs 3.1 starts out? My son, forget not my law that God's truth and God's wisdom can only benefit you or benefit me if we keep it in remembrance. My son, forget not my law. I am honored to share this verse with you tonight. I'm beside myself about it. It's the greatest condensation, condensed form of truth that you ever need to hear. It's the greatest events of the history of the world. Nothing else matters. Your history classes, the history of America, the history of civilization is garbage in comparison to this. I will give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ for the content of this pulpit. I know that this is the best content. Here we go again. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen. What God is this? His name? Jehovah. Jehovah was preached to Gentiles, and his son that came in the flesh was preached to Gentiles, and he was proven to be the Son of God by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost upon him during his life, and angels were involved in his ministry from beginning to end. And he was believed down in the world, and that's why we're here tonight, because he was believed in a different hemisphere from the Jews. And he's up in glory right now, making intercession for us. Paul gave it to his best pastor, Timothy, and Paul called it the best content. How did he call it the best content? Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. This is no wood, hay, or stubble here, brethren. Only gold, silver, and precious stones tonight. Even Christians get distracted with foolish things like politics. God doesn't care about politics 
and neither do I. Health. Your physical bodily health? Are you serious? You spend time thinking about that? Why? Think about your spirit instead. Your spirit's going to leave that body very soon, and it's going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Every disease that you have, every sickness that you have is going to be healed perfectly, and your body's going to be glorified. You should be thinking about your spirit. And then there are people that actually turn to the Weather Channel. Can you believe that? It's amazing. Why would you want to go to the Weather Channel? They don't know what they're talking about. Let's go to 1 Timothy 3.16. We have an apostle to the Gentiles writing to a preacher and telling him what the greatest content is and what churches exist for to be the pillar and ground of the six things in that verse. The devil wants to distract us with worthless earth pursuits like sports, like education, and like wealth. Parents, how much time do you put into the education of your children, and I mean the academic education of this world, in comparison to this verse that I'm trying to teach your children? I've got 40 minutes, and you have 168 hours a week. What are you teaching them is important. This verse I'm giving you tonight is important. That education is going to do them so little good. Show me successful men and we'll measure how much emphasis they put on their education. Real success. Not cheap. that just line up with each other and take the average fare. Wealth, money, professions. Yes, it's a, yes, we need to work hard. Yes, we need to have a trajectory for your jobs. It's okay to play a little bit and get some physical exercise outside, but we can do better than those three things with six things. And the six things are in 1 Timothy 3.16. The world is obsessed with stuff having no consequence, like the pandemic and street protests. It's consuming the media. It's consuming the world. It's consuming many Christians. And the pandemic has no consequence in the world's history. The street protests have no consequence. They're so small and insignificant. Listen, I've lived through things far, far worse than that. There was far more done in Detroit in 1967 and 8 than has been done in all these places combined. And Watts, California, and Newark. The world's obsessed with this kind of stuff. Satan sends it as a distraction. Christians shouldn't be distracted. We have our marching orders. We have a leader and a commander as well. Let us be obsessed. Let us be obsessed with every detail of every word in this fabulous news from heaven that we have. They live in chaos and confusion. We have certain truth and glorious hope, and it lasts forever. It extends way beyond this life. This is the gospel. 1 Timothy 3.16 is a summary of the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. This word, this old English word means good spell, glad tidings, good news. It's the good news about Jesus Christ. You can find out what gospel means by comparing verses like Isaiah 52.7 to Romans 10.15. But nonetheless, the gospel... When we say the word gospel, we mean the glad tidings and the good news sent down from heaven to us Gentiles to know about the God of the Jews named Jehovah and his son Jesus Christ, who was Jehovah incarnate in human flesh on this planet. 
He was the fullness of the Godhead in a body. I'm getting ahead of myself. And that's God was manifest in the flesh. Do you believe the record God gave of His Son? Do you know that God confronts us just like this in 1 John chapter 5? Do you believe the record God gave of His Son? There are three witnesses in heaven, and there are three witnesses on earth that bear record to Jesus, the Son of God. Do you believe? Isaiah, we've just gone through 1,292 verses. Isaiah pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah pointed to the preaching to the Gentiles. Isaiah pointed to these things. Do you delight in it? Delight. Do you delight in it? That is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ as the most precious news. Why would you listen to Fox News? You say, we could tell that you listened to the sheriff of Polk County last night. Do you know how many times I've listened to any of those things since January 1st of this year? You can put them on one hand because it's worthless tripe. It's drivel and twaddle compared to 1 Timothy 3.16. I magnify mine office. I don't magnify me. I magnify mine office. I'm here representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Grab a hold of something good for your soul. Every minute that you spend listening to that junk, lies, distortion, distraction, you're taken away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Feast yourself on Him. It'll change your life. Do you love its person of 1 Timothy 3.16 and of the gospel more than anyone and more than anything? We want to greatly increase our faith. And Bregan just prayed for the church for us to that end. And our love in these six things that are all about Jesus Christ. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our love. Let us not be a lukewarm church. Let us not lose our first love. If you need to get up right now and get a drink or walk around in the back, you will not bother me. Beg God to help you right now to see the truth of his words. What is preaching? It is not entertaining. What is preaching? It's not emotional froth. What is preaching? It is reading in the book, in the law of God distinctly and giving the sense and I'm going to give you the sense of 35 words if I'll stop introducing it. That was just to relax you a little bit. Paul with our goals. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.14, Paul writing Timothy. What does the grace of God do? You say, I'm saved by grace. Prove it to me. Do you know how you can prove it to me? An unbelievable degree of faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. You believe everything that there is about Jesus Christ so that you talk about it and it changes your life. You work by faith. Your faith produces works. It changes you and you love Him. You're passionate about Him. It comes out of your mouth. It causes you to do the things that you do. Faith, which worketh by love. I kind of like that verse. Faith which worketh by love. That's how the Bible puts them together. And then over in 2 Timothy 1.13, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me. That is the words of Scripture and words according to Scripture and words lining up with Scripture. The form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me. That's all Paul preached. Paul preached the word of God in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That is what I'm trying to get through to you tonight.
When you walk out of here, nothing matters in comparison to faith and love in the Lord Jesus Christ. You young people that aren't married, do not get close to anyone unless the most important thing in their lives is the faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. You'll sorely regret it. And if you don't, you're damned or doomed because you don't care and you don't recognize the difference. And that's worse. This verse is all about Jesus. It's going to tell us Jesus is God. The Spirit glorified Jesus. The angels glorified Jesus. Gentiles heard about Jesus. Gentiles believed on Jesus. And Jesus went up to God. It's that simple. And. Can we get cranking with the word and? I finally made it to the verse. I had 40 minutes. Now I've got 20. And. Let's go ahead and say it again. The verse. Together. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen. And this word, this word and, a coordinating conjunction, ties verse 16 back to the verses before it. This word and connects the verses before it, where it says the church is the pillar and ground of truth. And so it tells us what the truth is. When the previous verse says, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, what truth? This truth that we're about to read tonight, and that you've already read several times with me. The truth that we defend and support, which is the pillar and ground, is of Jesus Christ. And there are special things about him that God pulled together in this list. We love all scripture, but let's exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. You know I get excited about Cyrus taking Babylon. You know I shared as much information about that as I could. You know I love God taking down Sennacherib, and I shared about that with you. You know I like the destruction of Jerusalem, and I share that with you. However, let's go to the Lord Jesus Christ and keep him preeminent at all times. Let us be the pillar and ground of the Lord Jesus. Let God the Father know that there is a church in the Piedmont of the Carolinas that absolutely will defend and uphold the doctrine of His Son and will exalt those points of doctrine about Him. Many Christians will give lip service to the six things in this list, but how many Christians will be on fire and obsessed about these things? And that's what I'm asking out of this church tonight, to be obsessed about these things. Without controversy. And without controversy. Without controversy. The information about Jesus in this verse is the greatest news ever. It is the greatest news above argument or debate. It cannot be questioned. No history. No science. No philosophy, no politics, no current events can compete at all. It demands our utmost attention, affection, and effort to learn it, love it, and promote it, and obey it. If you get distracted by stuff of this world, you contradict it. Because it says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And if you get excited with something that isn't great, 
then you're saying that this isn't great because you're getting excited with a substitute. Don't let anything be a substitute. Great is our next word right here. And without controversy, great. Great. This is not a slight topic. Crush any such ideas about it. Don't think the pastor's gone off his rocker and he's all excited about some New Testament verse because he's very excitable and sometimes he gets too much caffeine in his system. It isn't caffeine in my system tonight. Did you hear me on Sunday morning? I don't come with one grain of, or gram of caffeine in me on Sunday mornings. There is no greater information you can ever learn. It's, it's the greatest. These facts greatly altered men and altered the world. The facts in this verse. Never be ashamed to believe or to state this gospel contained in this verse. Obsession with this gospel, truth, shows your heart. It is so easy to know who really loves the Lord Jesus Christ in this church for me. But it should be also very easy for all of you to know who really loves the Lord Jesus Christ in this church. You should be able to easily drop them into four quartiles. Those that don't, those that barely do and it doesn't count, those that do sometimes and a little bit, and those that truly do. How do you tell? They get excited about verses like this. They get excited about the content of verses like this. They talk about verses like this. They want to sing about verses like this. They get tears in their eyes about verses like this. They punch the air about verses like this. Because this is about the Lord of glory. This is by far greater than anything you do in your life, anything you've read in your life. This is the best. It's called a mystery. These facts that are listed in this verse and the news in these facts are not learned by men. Men do not discover these in a, under a microscope or through a telescope. They are only known by revelation of God to us. God had to send a written word to tell us, and he had to send men to preach it to us, or we wouldn't know about it. As was mentioned earlier, if we did not have someone to guide us, how can we understand? And so God has given us a written manual, and he's given us men to preach it. It's a mystery to the world. They don't know that these things are important. They don't even know these things. They question these things. They mock these things. And we know they're true, and they're truer than anything that they have and that they hold to. It's the hidden wisdom of the universe. And that's what it's called in 1 Timothy 2, 6 through 10. The wisdom hidden from generations. And it's ours in the Bible and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most religions have mysteries, but they are lies. Ours is all true. And their mysteries are goofball ideas that men have dreamed up about their pantheon of gods when ours is about the true and living God that created the universe and set it up as a stage for a drama to reveal his son to save Gentiles like you and me. God has to reveal this information in 1 Timothy 3.16 to us by his spirit and by his word or we wouldn't know about it. That's why we have these words in 1 Timothy 3.16. It's a mystery. And without controversy, great is the mystery. This is the secret God's revealed to us about the real events in human history. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What does that word mean? In this context, 
Godliness means the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the context has already told us the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So the truth that a church holds and the truth that ministers in a church preach is the gospel. And here it's called godliness because it's pertaining to God and God's works in the, in the world and God's Son. Everything to do with godliness is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. It defines this word, godliness. It defines the only true religion. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. The secret revelation from heaven of the only true religion of the Lord Jesus Christ. All truth is subordinate to the record of Jesus Christ. The historical facts in this verse summarize the true gospel, and that is what is meant by godliness. I want all the men of this church to be able to preach this verse to anyone that they would meet. They could take the 35 words apart and explain it to anyone. They could defend it against gainsayers. This is these are revealed secrets of God and His religion. God was manifest in the flesh. Now with 12 minutes left, we finally get to number one. How long could I preach on number one? How long have I preached on number one before? In different formats and under different titles. Sermons and sermons and sermons. This is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is the incarnate sonship of the Son of God. This is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Get ready. Six facts to learn and love. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Those are the six things. I've repeated them again, children. You should know the verse by now. Six facts to learn and love. Jesus of Nazareth was God. God glorified Him as God. Angels glorified Him as God. He sent the truth to idolaters. Many of those believed His truth. And then He ascended up to God. All in that one verse. Thank you, Lord. Lord, forgive me the first 30 years of my life. Each of these six facts deserves multiple sermons, which we have preached various ways at other times. God was manifest in the flesh. Jehovah, because it's God. Jehovah became a man to live on earth 33 years. God was manifest in the flesh. What an incredible miracle. What an incredible event. This is the greatest event in human history. He did this to die a substitute for his elect people. So he needed a body. So he had to take on humanity. He did not take on himself the nature of angels, according to Hebrews chapter 2, but he took on himself the nature of the seed of Abraham. The character of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. When you look at Jesus Christ, see how he answered questions, see how he lived, see how he dealt with the poor, see how he dealt with the rich, see how he dealt with the temple that was his father's house of prayer. When you see everything about him, you see God. You see God because God was in the Lord Jesus Christ. The virgin birth gave us the incarnate Son of God. The virgin birth is very important. You know, sometimes we understate it and we, we neglect it because we're so tired of Christmas abuse of it. But the virgin birth is an incredible event. And Isaiah 7.14 tipped us off, didn't it? 
It said, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, according to Matthew 1.23, means God with us, which means God was manifest in the flesh because you're in the flesh. It all ties together. Jesus is still a man in heaven as our Savior and Lord. And then, and then he'll be subject to God, according to 1 Corinthians 15.28. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus still has his flesh body. It is glorified in heaven, and he sits at God's right hand. Do you know that I could spend hours on this clause? And I would hope that you could spend the first hour yourself. Because the Bible is about the record of God sending his son. Were we told this was going to happen in Genesis chapter 3? Did Jacob tell his son Judah that it was going to happen in his tribe in Genesis 49? Yes and yes and yes and yes. All popular Greek versions. All popular Greek versions. And English translations replace God with who? All of them, without exception. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness, who was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Lord, you know my time limitations. And if I have slighted you by not taking more time on the first of the six things, Forgive me. Make up for it by convicting these people to go home and look up that outline from 2013 and to feast on who you are and what you did when you came in Jesus of Nazareth. Justified in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit proved Jesus to be God's Son. That's what it means. The word justified in a case like this, Jesus didn't be justified Jesus didn't need to be justified in the way we need to be justified, and that is to be declared free and acquitted from our sins and given the righteousness of another. But Jesus needed to be proved to be righteous. He needed to be proved to be the Son of God. The Holy Spirit proved Jesus to be God's sons. Every religion is measured by certainty of truth. He had the Spirit above others without measure. The Spirit was given to him. John 3, 34. The Spirit empowered him to do many miracles that only a man sent from God could do. John didn't do any miracles. Jesus did the miracles. The Spirit raised him from the dead. He is called the Spirit of holiness in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, and it proved Jesus of Nazareth to be the Son of God by the Spirit of holiness raising him from the dead. Throughout his life, he had the power of the Holy Spirit he could know what a man was thinking. He could answer any man's question. He can answer questions they could not answer, as we learned in Isaiah chapter 11. Great mystery of godliness, scene of angels. There's a whole realm that's outside the sight of this world. All they can think about are their little sticks that they carry in the streets and their police cars that are easily burned, as the five police cars were burned on Sunday evening in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which I could not believe. But there's a whole realm outside their sight of powerful beings called angels. And we've preached about angels before, and I have preached about angels and their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ before. Scene of angels. Angels saw, but they did a whole lot more. They attended to Jesus. They saw his birth and they praised when they split the skies of Judea open for those shepherds that were tending to their flocks that night. They helped him in the desert after his baptism when he was tempted of the devil. They helped him in Gethsemane and strengthened him to go to the cross. They saw and told his resurrection 
to the apostles and to the women, and they told about his ascension, that he would come in the same manner as he had left them. Those angels saw and praised him in heaven in Revelation chapter 5 when he, alive, when he arrived as their leader and commander. All the angels are subordinate to the Lord Jesus Christ and are under his feet, and he directs every single one of them. He is now the Lord of hosts by assigned power of the Lord Jehovah himself. Scene of angels. Jesus told Nathaniel, you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You, are you impressed that I saw you under the fig tree before you arrived here and so that I could tell you where you were sitting when you just heard about me? That's nothing. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon me. Oh, could I go further? Yes, right here. Preached unto the Gentiles. Preached unto the Gentiles. For 2,000 years, God only dealt with the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob called Israelites. God left the Gentiles in darkness and ignorance. He winked at their ignorance and their pagan idolatry. But then God sent Jewish preachers to the Gentile nations, and we've heard all about this in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah recently told us about it over and over. If Jesus had not sent those apostles, you would worship Buddha today or some other variation of pagan idolatry. Believed on in the world. It is one thing to preach truth. It's another thing to believe it. But not only were preachers sent... God opened our hearts to hear the things that were preached. Without quickening and regeneration, no man will believe. Wild news by Jewish fishermen. Who's going to believe wild news that a man rose from the dead who grew up as a poor Jesus of Nazareth? Presented by Jewish fishermen that were unlearned, and when they opened their mouths, you knew they weren't educated. Who's going to believe it? Gentiles believed it. How much will they believe it? They became martyrs for the cause of Jesus Christ. Incredible. Believed down in the world. Apostles preach to the whole world, which is something we believe and others don't understand. The multitude in heaven is from every nation on earth. Received up into glory. Jesus ascended in his body from earth to heaven. That is an event. The whole world wanted to tune in to SpaceX, they want to read about ISS, the International Space Station, or is it ISIS? Is IS ISIS? Is ISIS IS? Oh, it doesn't matter. 254 miles above the planet, 1,000 times farther to get to the moon, Jesus went all the way to the third heaven in his body. This was not a vision of heaven or only his spirit. It was his body. You know, on the cross when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, his body was put in the ground. But when he stood in the Mount of Olives and said goodbye to his apostles, oh yes, it was his body. Resurrection is one thing. Ascension is another. Don't let someone cut the gospel short at the resurrection of Jesus Christ because after the resurrection is the ascension, and the ascension is often overlooked as its importance because he rose bodily into heaven to sit down at the right hand of God, preceding us. He's the first fruits of them that slept and went into the presence of God, and he's there forevermore, and he's making intercession for us. This makes U.S. space travel a very weak effort. Jesus is seated beside God and ruling the universe. Amen. Glory to God. What a wonderful gospel we have. Amen. Yeah, it looks like this. Let's read it. Watch the red. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. 
God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. These are our marching orders. The only right response, believe. If you reject this record, you make God a liar. He said so. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And I just shared with you the record that God gave of his Son. If you reject this record, you will be damned. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The only right response, believe. What is the other word that starts with F for that word believe? Faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Faith. Believe it. Believe that those six things are without controversy, beyond question or debate, the most important events in the history of the world. You say, where's the crucifixion? Just think about the six when you go home. The six are comprehensive for Jesus Christ's ministry. The only right response is to obey this gospel. If you do not obey God, you have no evidence of your eternal life. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So let's obey what we just read about. If you obey God, you can be sure of election because you add to your faith virtue and so forth. The only right response is to love. I want faith and love more than anything else tonight. I press obedience on a regular basis. If you love Jesus, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you love the one of 1 Timothy 3.16, God will abide with you. Jesus answered and said unto him, If, most don't, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That is a personal relationship between God and you because you love his son, whom he loves very much, and you obey his son, whom he loves very much. If you do not love Jesus, vengeance is coming for you. If any man, here we go again, this is where most of them fall. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Let him be cursed at the coming of Christ. We do not need to know more. You do not need your pastor to preach new things. That's not the most important point that I need to make to you tonight. We do not need to know more, but we need to love what we know more. Do you understand the difference between those two lines? We do not need to know more but love what we know more than we love what we know at the present time. The only right response, spread it. Do you want to tell others like Andrew to Peter in John 1.41? He, that is Andrew, said goodbye to John the Baptist because he had found a better teacher. He had found the Lord Jesus Christ. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah's. We have found 1 Timothy 3.16 getting started with God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, which is being interpreted the Christ. 
Messiah is two times in the book of Daniel. And then we have Messiah interpreted for us twice in John chapter 1 and 4, which is the Christ. Do you, do you want to tell others like Andrew wanted to tell Peter? What about all your siblings? It's so simple to tell a sibling. I thank God my brother is fully converted. I thank God my sister is fully converted. That's too easy. It doesn't really count. But go ahead and get started there since it's so easy. Are you able and ready to convert others? Apollos. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla, a power couple, and this couple that just got engaged in this church, the two of you had better love the Lord Jesus Christ, and you better help each other love the Lord Jesus Christ, and you better make the Lord Jesus Christ the center of your marriage so that you can be a power couple someday. Why would you want to get married for any other reason? Any other reason is a cheap substitute and counterfeit for the real thing. When they heard him, they took him unto them and expounded unto Apollos the way of God more perfectly. Are you able to do it? And so there's much more that could be said. And I'm only a couple minutes over. I, I thank you for your kind attention. And I thank you for the privilege of being your pastor one more time. Do you love him? What do you love? Compare your love of him to the love of these other things that are distractions and diversions and satanic substitutes for the real. The devil used to be in heaven, but when Jesus ascended up into heaven, there wasn't room for both of them and he was thrown out. We have the leader and the commander. We have the Lord of hosts. And with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will throw the devil and judge the devil and judge the angels into the lake of fire. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Revelation chapter 19.